All right, so, um, yeah, where to begin? Lecture seven. We've got a lot of um, fun, fascinating patterns in, in here. Um, one that I'm trying to bring up like all the stuff that we didn't do in, in group A, <laughs> so it's not super boring for those that uh, binge. But um, verse three, I found very interesting. Um, is it three? Yeah, mental exertion. Um, where it says that, well, let me read that question. So let us here offer some explanation in relation to faith that our meaning may be clearly comprehended. It says, we ask then, what are we to understand by a man's working by faith? And we answer, we understand that when a man works by faith, he works by mental exertion instead of physical force. And then later on down in, um, after it talks about uh, all of these people that are using words um, to, to affect faith, here, faith then works by words. So what's the difference here? If faith works by mental exertion instead of physical force, what is the tie-in for how it works by words? Like, what does that look like? And I mean, obviously it looks chiastic right where it it's it's sharing two different things in order to to pull them out and, and compare them against each other what's the the connection between mental exertion and words and and how does that work in in our faith i i found that a very interesting thing to to ponder um but kind of going back to the beginning right where we have this this fantastic literary structure of the lectures. Uh, lectures one and two are uh, kind of bookends to this uh, to the seven here. Well, I guess seven is the bookend. Sorry, my words are <laughs> still on another thing. Um, I need to get my train of thought here. But um, so one and two and seven are kind of the bookends to the lectures. And this whole time we're looking at how faith is gained. And then here in lecture seven, we're heavily pulling upon lectures one and two in order to define it, um, the, the effects that are flowing from it. And <laughs> ironically, it, it works upon mental exertion and it works upon words, the two things that are escaping me at the moment. But um, that verse three is so interesting where it pulls out that all of these things when god said let there be light when joshua spake in the great lights which god had created stood still when elijah commanded and the heavens were stayed for the space of three years that all of these things were done by words god said joshua spake elijah commanded and all of these things happen faith then works by words and it's a mental exertion instead of a physical force. And it's interesting kind of going back to the scriptures and, and finding that pattern all throughout that when people speak, power is exerted or miracles are wrought by, by the words, which I had never really put together before. I, I don't know why, but that was kind of a new concept to me. I was thinking about the mental exertion, like, I guess what came to mind for me there was maybe for translated beings, mm -hmm. like when you think you want to go somewhere, you can just be there mm -hmm. type of thing. I don't know. That's what came to my mind. Yeah. And you know how like things are created spiritually before they're created physically, right? And mm -hmm. so it works by mental exertion instead of physical force. And um, that our words are often uh, a process of that spiritual creation rather than, than physical. But, but they definitely manifest in a physical way um, when moved upon, right? By, by the spirit. Yeah, and then I was thinking as we were talking about praying out loud, I mean, we all know to do that, but how often do we do it? You know, like not <laughs> yeah. enough. And so that was a really good nudge to, okay, let's start practicing that more. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Like 
seriously, when's the last time I did it? I can't even think about it, but like, I know to do it, but why don't yeah, I do it? I do too. And I'm always alone. Like I can talk to whoever. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can. <laughs> why don't you do this? <laughs> it, it's amazing. I know I'm going to, I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, let's see. So one question that I would, um, oh, sorry, L says that um, <laughs> sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can change your brain. <laughs> I love that phrase. So, yeah, there's a book that someone recommended me to a long time ago, and I can't remember what it's called. I have a hard time remembering it, but it was all about what we speak and what we say literally has effect on how we think mm -hmm. and what we believe. And so I think words can have an effect on our faith and what we believe. So what we mentally tell ourselves or speak, um, I know the class I took, the lady was very specific about, you didn't say I can't, or I won't, or maybe it was always positive. I will, I can. Um, it was always um, positive ways to accomplish something or believe something not you don't speak in negative terms so i th i think our words have extreme power on our thoughts and our ability to have faith mm -hmm. i love that yeah um it kind of going along that line it brought up back in my head when president nelson is talking about uh the price of priesthood brow that <laughs> price of priesthood power um when uh, he says recently wendy and i were in a meeting where the organist was poised and ready to play but he he went to play and there was no sound he had no power well brethren in like manner i fear that there are too many men who have been given the authority but who lack priesthood power um so whatever um regardless of, of how it's been blocked to gain that power back, gain confidence in words, and actually give blessings. Um, uh, didn't he say there, it was like a baby blessing, right? Um, and it's like, that that baby got a beautiful prayer, but no blessing. And so the power in the words, uh, like you were saying there, that it can really change. And um, I, for those that have read the uh, Spiritual Physics of Light, uh, Aaron Franklin or taking his classes or anything that it's interesting that when we're in a, a positive flowing faith-filled capacity that our words and our light that that vibration everything that is sent forth from us actually has a changing and positive effect on the recipient whether it's a person whether it's creation at, at all right like mm -hmm. um discussed in conference um the the power of words to what was the example in conference wasn't it rabbits or, or something like that like speaking lovingly to um mm -hmm. whatever it is has a positive thing like words matter because they have frequencies they have vibrations that that light that you are transmitting it with has power and lecture seven makes it abundantly clear of the power of the word that it is issuing for, and being careful that we don't use our words uh to the contrary right i think that's that's huge and there's some scripture in the new i think it's in the new testament it might be in proverbs but something about how the tongue can be you know it's it's yeah it's yeah so it has extreme power because once mm -hmm. you say something you can't take it back you know, all you can do is apologize. <laughs> it's like, so I think we have, I think if there's another scripture, something about there's life and death in the, in words or the tongue. I mean, it's in how we speak and what we say. So mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's huge and it makes an effect, like you said, on other people, the vibrations that it sends out. Yeah. And I know there's a quote by, I'm kind of diverting here. I think it's by McKay and it talks about how we all vibrate frequent not freak he didn't call it frequencies but we have a vibration and that affects other people so what we think what we say how we behave 
radiates. I think he called it radiates. We radiate it to other people and they can perceive that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's that why we've got to be positive and faith filled, you know, because it does, pe- other people can pick up on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. toward, oh, sorry, go for it. I was just thinking how uh, she was relating uh, power to words. Like, so can we do the same with faith? It's faith power. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. I, um, I never really put that together before. But so when we're talking about words having power and the words are what how we use our faith through the words it's all about power mm-hmm. anyway, it, I got we even say that sometimes right the power of the word yeah yeah <laughs> and i found the book i forgot i had it saved i found it on the long time ago digital it's called conscious language it's kind of a complicated book the logos of now the discovery code and upgrade your new conscious human operating system and i think it was written a long time ago but it just has to do with the power of words Mm -hmm. um and how it can create i'm trying to figure out when it was written um it was written in well i don't know i don't see when it was written but yeah Mm -hmm. so interesting and i know that this lady taught a class on this about faith and and um, belief and the power of words. And she gleaned a whole bunch from conference talks um, Mm -hmm. on that topic. Yeah. And so interesting with like this kind of uh, what we're talking about, like radiation and and, um, being in the presence that our presence or not ours, but um, of a positive influence that that it it matches and, um, and radiates, right? So that reminded me of verse 10 here, where it's giving those examples, those scriptures here, and, um, you know, kind of concluding with Matthew 5, 48, be ye perfect, even as your father who is in heaven is perfect. And then this, if any should ask why all these sayings, the answer is to be found from what is before quoted from John's epistle, that when the Lord shall appear, when we're in his presence, the saints will be like them. And if they are not holy as he is holy and perfect as he is perfect, they cannot be like him. For no being can enjoy his glory without possessing the perfections and holiness, no more than they could reign in his kingdom without his power. And so, I mean, there's <laughs> like, it kind of makes sense. Like we we know that we have to be transfigured to be in the presence of God, right? In in this type of a state. But when he comes again, we, we've got to, we've got to match it if we're, we're, going to be lifted up at, at the last day right and um, we have to practice and learn faith and and gain it or else we cannot be saved in in that day I, those are some pro- profound words and admonitions for us like yeah be ye therefore perfect like get it done so that we can be in his presence you know that was the topic of our sacrament meeting today yeah. And guess what they were all saying? And that's for the other side of the veil. <laughs> I was just like, oh my goodness. If you could really study lectures, especially lecture five, six, and seven, yeah, you'll realize that this is all meant for the side of the veil. If you wait till then, I mean, yeah, you can still do it, but it, it's too late for some of the blessings that can be enjoyed here, especially second coming. It has to be done on this side if we are wanting to participate in the the second coming right yeah it's like oh dear yeah all right so that's the the link for conscious language is is there like another book like cleaves to light or is that just the like that no that's just the, that? i think there's a scripture called isn't there one that uh-huh. light cleaves to light so i mean yeah. if we're filled with light or vibration or positive whatever you want to say the spirit it cleaves to others so you know we connect to other people better that way it's just it's Mm -hmm. all connected it's just in how you say it i think (laughs) yeah i love that 
yeah, I can't remember where that's at. I'm going to have to like Google that real quick, but, but yeah, right along on the same principle. But yeah, lecture seven was so interesting. How many times did it say that this clearly says this or to give a clear account of the state of the glorified saints? Like <laughs> Joseph and, and whoever's writing these, these lectures, can we make it any clearer? Can we beat it into your heads anymore? That faith is necessary for, for this. And the effects of faith are amazing. Now that you've got your common election made sure from, from lecture six, and, and you've uh, made your, your mind the mind of, of the Lord from lecture five, once you've done all of these, yeah. assimilated his characters, perfections, and attributes, and learned them, now what can you do with it? Can we say it any clearer? This is, this is the pattern. This is the way. And it's available to man. Uh, that's another thing that uh, it, it iterates throughout here. The prophets prophesied, and they've always given the witness that it's available to all. It's not just some exclusive gift for the prophets, and it's not some exclusive gift for the afterlife. This is, this is the here and now, and it's to the least of these, my brethren. Like, it's, it's for everyone. And we've got to believe that and have faith in that belief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, I don't know, it, it, it's been a transformational journey for me. I, I forget how many groups I tell this to you, probably hear it and beat your head against the wall. But like, when I first read lectures, it was on my mission. And I was like, I apparently don't have faith because none of this is like familiar or ringing true to me. Like, I don't have the blessings of faith. And this time, you know, I've read it many times from then, but, but this time going through it, after having learned about Father Abraham and learning about Isaiah and his ladder to heaven and all of the, the, the doctrine that Isaiah pre presents forth, I finally am just beginning to have the light click on, on what faith actually looks like. And I don't think I would have got it in any other way. Like my dense head just couldn't get it. But but now the Lord's presenting it to me in a new way with some different background information that's like, Oh, especially lecture seventh. Uh, has anyone else found that? Like, I don't think I would have got this without an understanding of Isaiah. Hey, I, Darlene, where you said you wrote ladder, um, that was over by verse nine. Oh, about the the ministering. Yes, I had ladder written there too. That's totally. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's right there. Right there. <laughs> that um, there's really something it's trying to kind of get us to understand that there's we need the faith we need to perfect ourselves and have faith and use that faith in ministering and helping others and gathering this is what the whole gathering Israel is about is ministering. And I think that's what I wrote out in the side of mine is that how it reminded me of how President Nelson changed the visiting teaching and home teaching to um, ministering because mm -hmm. it's faith-based. And I, I, I think that all falls into place. We're being trained how to how to go about this you know how if, we, we're, if yeah. we're doing it right yeah mm -hmm. yeah i love it so um kind of stemming off of group a and <laughs> diving back down this rabbit hole but in verse five i wanted to, to kind of bring up an isaiah connection here that uh was interesting to me today you know how the Lord always works in patterns. Like once he starts teaching you a principle from here, then it shows up in all your other studies and stuff too. But um, here in verse five, it seems to be talking about like the uh, the cosmic vision, the, the vision of all or the panoramic vision. It goes by many names. But um, here, uh, let's see. So then faith is truly the first principle in the science of theology. And when understood, when we finally understand faith, it leads the mind back to the beginning and carries it 
forward to the end, or in other words, from eternity to eternity. Uh, I, I mean, from studying the, the cosmic vision, and uh, they're also called throne, throne theophanies uh, a lot in the academic world. Um, but from studying those, like that is the verbiage of a throne theophany. And so when I was reading in Isaiah 29 today, I found this super interesting. I should probably actually pull it up on the screen. Just a second. Should have had that prepared ahead of time, but I just barely thought of it. <laughs> um, but it is Isaiah chapter 29, verse 11. Am I in the right one? Oh, no, that's chapter 11. <laughs> Just a second. 20. There we go. 29 verse 11. <clears throat> so chapter 29 is one where the chapter heading is great, but it's not the only thing that this, it's actually not the main thing that Isaiah is trying to get at here. So the, the chapter heading talks about the coming forth of the Book of Mormon as the sealed book, which, yes, it is, but it has a dual fulfillment. So not pigeonholing ourselves into only one uh, version of it. So it's interesting that verse 11 says, and the vision of all, this cosmic vision that we've, uh, that I've been <laughs> bringing up all the time is become unto you, uh, and the you that Isaiah is referring to is the modern day church. Um, the vision of all is become unto you, the covenant children, as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, read this, I pray thee, and he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, read this, I pray thee, and he said, saith, I am not learned. Wherefore, the Lord said, for as much as this people, which is, that's a, a condemning phrase right there. If you do word searches in, in Isaiah, the covenant people are always my people, but they've turned away for as much as this people draw near to me with their mouth, with their lips, they do honor me, but they have removed their heart far from me and their fear toward me is taught as a precept of men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. And, I mean, it goes on to talk a lot of interesting things. But um, this vision of all is recorded in the book of Isaiah, but it is a sealed book. And, and likewise, the book of Mormon contains the vision of all, but it is a sealed book. And um, that many times it's just because of lack of faith. We have, like it said there, um, we draw near with our mouth, our lips do honor him. But like President Nelson said it in a different way, right? But we lack priesthood power. We've been given the authority, but we don't have any actual power because we don't have the faith necessary unto life and salvation. And so, Therefore, as it says, I will proceed to do a marvelous work and a wonder among this people. I'll start waking people up and getting them to, to learn about faith and, and, and getting that, that done. Like we're in the middle of living prophecy that, that Isaiah said. We're in the, the days when it will be unlocked so that we can have the faith necessary, like lecture seven says, to be perfect even as our Father in Heaven is perfect, so that we can be caught up at the last day and be saved. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Lecture 7 and Isaiah 29 go hand in hand, I think, as far as uh, realizing the blessings that can be ours through faith. So how many times have, through the years, of course, I've got more years on me than you do, <laughs> But anyway, so I've, heard, I've heard this a lot, um, like in Sunday school and whatnot, about that Isaiah is so hard, I can't understand it. Or I, in the book, reading the Book of Mormon, I skip over the Isaiah chapters. Uh, 
I can't get it. I don't understand what it's talking about. It, it has been a sealed book, but it is the book that uh, Jesus commands that we we read and learn. That's the only book that I know that he, he has commanded specifically is Isaiah. And that's because it's for our day. Mm -hmm. And, we, and it's, he is waking up people to Isaiah and so that they can learn about it, those that will. And so I think that's totally what that verse was talking about there. Mm -hmm. yeah, just think about us all a year ago, floundering with Isaiah. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was, I was, I was floundering, <laughs> but I, I wasn't getting any of it. I, it, it takes a long time to wrestle with it, and, it and really, yeah. But, but seriously, when it says, and and this is Isaiah, well, the Lord speaking through Isaiah, um, that the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, and. Even learned men say that they can't read it. Unlearned men say they can't read it. But the the whole pattern, the whole ladder to heaven, the 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 ministering that's happening, like all of this is a sealed book until you learn how to open it. And um, it's amazing. Like like Avraham's works, amazing. And uh, when I went to Education Week last year, and Joseph Spencer had a whole new take on. Um, what the Book of Mormon is doing in, or sorry, what Isaiah is doing in the Book of Mormon. Oh man, he unlocked a lot for me there. He's, the Lord is doing a marvelous work and a wonder. He's unsealing this book. He's already unsealed the Book of Mormon for us through the restoration, but he's also unsealing Isaiah. And it, that scripture has this beautiful dual fulfillment so that we can have the vision of all. The vision of all, like lecture seventh talks about tonight is gained by faith so it's it's basically saying like I'm, I'm just kind of taking the principle putting it into kind of a different vernacular kind of thing but when faith is understood because it, it calls it a science of theology right so when faith is understood when you finally grasp the laws that that are pertaining to it when it's understood and spoken, and the calling and election is received, the panoramic vision naturally unfolds. It can't be veiled from us anymore because of the faith that's necessary. I mean, it is the pattern of the brother of Jared. Like, I can't keep you out from, I can't keep you on that side of the veil anymore because you have the faith necessary to view it all. Like, it that the vision of all is unlocked through that faith. And I, anyway, I just find that really interesting, even though I <laughs> stumbled over my words there. But and so why is the panoramic vision so important that we have? Mm -hmm. You want to get into that? Or we already <laughs> talked about it in the UK, so maybe you want to just you <laughs> You should play softball because you're starting to throw some good pitches. Okay. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, like, like I was saying in group A, the, the vision of all isn't just the cherry on top. It isn't just given to us so that we can be excited about it. It's not a lollipop and a pat on the head. It's given for a reason, right? So why would we need a vision of all of the inhabitants of the world from beginning to end, their whole lives? I mean, Christ went through this in, in Gethsemane, um, you know, with greater sufferings. I mean, there's a lot more to Gethsemane than what I'm saying here with the cosmic vision. But the cosmic vision, in order to see all of the inhabitants, every single one of them, all of their lives, I mean, it has to be for a purpose. And what is that purpose? As we look at it's in verse nine right yeah um here so we answer from what we have before seen in the heavenly worlds they must be persons who can work by faith who are able by faith to be ministering spirits to them who shall be heirs of salvation 
So it's basically saying that the elect of God need to be gathered up, and they can only be gathered by people who know the laws of faith and how to work by faith so that they can become ministering spirits. So like we know about the, the 144,000 and their mission at the end to, to rescue the elect. And, you know, I mean, it, it's not just the 144,000 either. We, we're talking kings and queens of the Gentiles. But when you're given the vision of all, you see kind of your new assignment. Uh, this is the way it is in my head. You know, I'm not trying to like say that this is how it is. But but what if the, the cosmic vision of all, you're given the, the vision of all the world, all the inhabitants, so that you know how to perfectly minister to those who you're sent to save. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about in scripture, uh, Revelation, Daniel, they all talk about it. The mission of those final missionaries, they're going to be to go and save the elect out of persecution. And there's only one way you can do that. And that's by faith, knowing how to, to reach those whom have, uh, I mean, they're the elect. They just don't know how to get out of the situations that they're in uh, and, and things. I don't know. I, <laughs> I bumbled over that one too. So yeah, you, you, you gave me a good strong pitch and I sent it out in left field, but yeah. <laughs> Home run. <laughs> if you go to back to <laughs> group A, I think I explained it a little bit better there. <laughs> But anyway, I I don't know. It's making so much sense to me of this. I mean, lecture seventh is, is kind of a longer one compared to the others. But man, what prototype for the, the effects of faith, what you can do once you can be perfect and have the same mind and will as, as God. And like all of this is such a... I don't know. It's, it's kind of a mind trip of like, wow, this is I'm all possible. To think of how to murder my natural man. So yeah. my spirit <laughs> Seriously, get out like, of here. <laughs> like we said at the beginning, we all know that, you know, praying out loud is a, a thing, but like, do we do it? Like, okay. <laughs> no, yeah. These groups are all good and everything, but tomorrow I'm going to be... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to be in my same robot self that's on autopilot and just kind of go and kind of thing. It's amazing how difficult this life is to like overcome the, that. Yeah. Like you said, I got to find a way to murder the, the natural man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to, I have to remember that Tracy. That's a good okay. one. <laughs> I've been actually praying lately for my spirit to overcome my, who I am, you know, outwardly right here. Yeah. I'm I'm done with it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good start. (laughs) I love it. I I probably beat this into the ground so much, but I mean, the Lord's been leading me in my personal journey to this or whatever, but um, Joe Dispenza's book, Becoming Supernatural, like, Tapping into the conscious brain and going, hey, no, I'm in charge. And you got to unlearn all of the stupid stuff that you've done in the past and actually take charge of what you want instead of just being on autopilot all the time. Because he, you know, this is a very secular kind of thing, but it's very much in line with this. But by the time that we're 30, our brains have already been programmed. And they're just doing what they think we want them to do. And so it's all about reversing that and saying, no, I'm in charge. I need you to do this. And it's going to take practice to build habits and, and things. So that those habits become our, our demeanor and, and things on a daily basis. And I like, it makes so much sense, but at the same time, I'm like trying to apply it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so lazy. <laughs> I just want this natural man to be gone, you know, out of the way already. I'm not sure it's too secular, Cameron, because I remember (laughs) something because I saved it somewhere. Um, They did a music and the spoken word about not being on autopilot. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I I love it. And I was like, I don't know if I can find it again. I think I know where it is, but I thought that was so interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like how much yeah. of our lives, especially, you know, kind of the youth growing up, we always make fun of them. They're always on their phones and stuff, but how much of it is just autopilot? How much of it is an addiction? And, you know, relate that to yourselves and whatever addictions you're currently suffering from. But like, man, we, we do love our autopilot mode, right? There's sometimes when we just want to to escape the world and turn on our music or whatever kind of a thing, you know, but, but then you break out of it and then you're like, that was a stupid Oh yeah. That's quite a good one. So I was on Instagram the other day watching reels and I hadn't really done it, but I just couldn't stop. Like it was so addictive. And all of a sudden, guess who comes on? President Nelson. Yep. (laughs) In the reels. I was like, like it wasn't me because oh, I'm, he's, he's wanting me out of here but I just kept going of course and then it was Elder Uchtdor they're in the reels yep. <laughs> like they were just reminding me get out of there you're just wasting mindless time mm-hmm. well I awful. think social media knows that because it creates new neural pathways in our brains it's kind of like Pavlov's dog I mean how many times do we see that little red bell of notification or here and we just we gotta (laughs) click on it we gotta click on it it's like it's like yeah so it's like we're being conditioned um yeah it was why do you think why do you think they used to have it well they still do have it but the logo for apple has a bite out of it Uh oh Right. Yeah, and if is that isn't Satan's, uh, Hello. like mirror of Adam and Eve and the you know the fruit forbidden fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you've heard that before. But, I haven't. No, I <laughs> no, but, like a little apple. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. a little apple, but it has a bite out of it, and I'm like, okay. And that finally dawned on me. I don't know how many years ago, but I'm like, okay. And but then I'm yeah. online all the time, but not so much on Facebook, but just because our life is so much online. I mean, family history is now all online, mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah, yeah, it's amazing the the way that Satan maneuvers his way in right and Mm -hmm. if it's important to the lord it's important to satan i think that that was one of the most transformational phrases that that sunk in it was like oh of course like the only time that satan gets in there is if it's an important principle and so he's always going to try to wreck it or imitate it or Mm -hmm. or throw it off kind of a thing and so yeah like looking at lecture seventh here the effects of faith he's going to uh, really attack any part of this that he can and he's doing a good job (laughs) well i have forbidden myself to even go there on sundays so if i do i have to cut off my finger or something (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's just a huge no-no for me yeah (laughs) because it's 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 addictive (laughs) yeah that's that's like my latest addiction i would have to say that i'm working hard on (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah because like you know not because my personal journey is not anybody else's journey right but like you know i give up entertainment he told me to get rid of movie (laughs) movies and music and all form of 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 leisure entertainment kind of thing Mm -hmm. and then come facebook reels or youtube reels or whatever you know like Oh, it's just like a little thing. It's not really, it's like, oh my gosh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> you just replaced it with one other thing. It's stupid. All right. Yeah, I, I've totally been there before. I just figure if you use technology for good, you know, then it's fine. And my Facebook feed, everybody complains about their Facebook feed, but mine's all church stuff because that's all the groups I belong to. It's true. So that's all I pretty much get is church stuff. So I'm like, okay, it's not bad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. stuff it's what people post for come follow me or isaiah institute or all that but kind of stuff really so. pops up on mine. Mm-hmm. but i had to like i've had to design it so it does that mm-hmm. yeah it wasn't it wasn't easy to get it to do that and instagram's the same way i have to put on way more church sites than any other sites and then it will pop up more Mm-hmm. Well, yeah 
anything else out of lecture seven i don't know i after two hours i'm like beating a dead horse at this point but like what other points did we not cover in in this group that um were really great or need to touch on uh, oh we talked about like the hinge right and yeah i was just looking at the hinge maybe say that yeah so when we're looking at, at verse 16 here i found i don't know you know president nelson talks about the hinge point and i'm just like clued into that all the time um, but here it says, these teachings of the Savior must clearly show us the nature of salvation and what he proposed unto the human family when he proposed to save them. So we're talking pre-mortal plan here. He proposed to make them like unto himself. And he was like the father, the great prototype of all saved beings. And for any portion of the human family to be assimilated into their likeness, is to be saved. We learned that from lecture five. And to be unlike them is to be destroyed. And on this hinge turns the doors of salvation. I mean, that is a powerful verse right there. Mm -hmm. Like, it, you know, we say it all the time, right? There's two teams and we know the outcome of the, the game. So like get on the right team. But, but here it, it just says it in such an interesting way for any portion of the human family to be assimilated into their likeness is to be saved to be unlike them is destroyed the hin on this hinge turns the door of salvation that's huge i really like that one i do too i can't wait to see what he says in a couple of weeks that we'll i know i am like <gasps> gotta go back and look at the bit like remember last conference i mean he had some powerhouse talks last uh, they're always powerhouse but like seriously those talks were so pertinent to these past six months and like he perfectly led us through the obstacles that we'd be facing both personal and globally and, and all that and <laughs> now is the time at I, I keep going back to the the basketball uh, analogy and to the sundial like oh my goodness those things are super crucial going forward uh to really understand those i'm gonna have to go back and uh, kind of binge some of our president nelson uh group oh, no, i took some good our... notes in there <laughs> and yeah. i'll say something every once in a while everybody's like where'd you find that and i'm like President Nelson talk. Don't know which one. Yeah, it's one of those. <laughs> oh, but yeah, our, our study of President Nelson really was was amazing. Solidifying that, you know, because there's so many people in the church, great members, who are kind of losing their faith in our current leadership of the church. You know, like they still have testimonies, but they're they're really waning in in certain aspects and stuff. But no, that finding the patterns and that president Nelson is acting in the same patterns as any of the prophets, both biblical and restoration. It, it, it really solidified my, my testimony in him as our current prophet seer and revelator who is receiving revelation from Christ. Like there's no doubt in my mind. And so anytime somebody brings it up or I'm like, go read the book of Nelson. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Volume five. It, it's, it's the best. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But it isn't it so interesting this journey that we've had and and how we're here now in lectures on faith at this time when faith is you know gearing up in ever increasing ways to be attacked. We have many different prophecies from all of the biblical prophets and from our modern leaders that it <laughs> Soon will come the time when it will no longer be popular to be a Christian. And we will be under attack for a lot of different things. We have got to get faith down. We've got to be able to hear him. Uh, got to be yeah. able to get this, these skills <laughs> uh, and, and spiritual blessings down. Because we're headed into some, some tricky waters that I don't think we've ever experienced the, the light because we have different technologies and, and things now that are are wild <laughs> to say the least yeah. but yeah 
but we've got this. That, that's the whole thing. We've got all of the, the negative prophecies that we just don't like to talk about, but we've also got the most amazing blessings coming our way. I mean, we, we're going to be able to the be, front row. yeah, we're going to be on the front row. Um, it, wasn't President Nelson, right. That said that we're going to have front row seats to what Nephi seen only envision or something like that. Yeah. It's like, yes, <laughs> we're going to be like, it's amazing. Yeah. I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. I'm just so excited for the the times ahead. They're going to be rough. We're <laughs> this is going to be out of context for for some of you, but Group A, we're talking about Isaiah. He had to go through his humiliation, and uh, he he had to be naked for three years. Uh, we're going to have to go through our own tough challenges and things that might seem weird and wacky or whatever. But uh, well, I hope it's not that. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's not that. <laughs> how did what was how did i what was his demise i mean i always isaiah? because uh what excuse me isaiah's demise yeah oh we what was it that. how did he die do you know yeah so his grandson manasseh had him sawn in half so isaiah his, his grandson oh my gosh i oh, told that awful. story to my mom this morning <laughs> oh, what so, so this is like the really short version of a, a long, interesting story that you want to do sometime. But so King Hezekiah is transforming his people and doing all the good stuff or whatever, but he has a vision that his posterity will be very wicked. And so he never marries and never has kids. And that's when the illness comes upon him after he's performed a Davidic covenant and all that kind of stuff for his people. An illness comes upon him and Isaiah is sent to him and said, yeah, you're done. You're, you're toast. And he's like, but why am I toast? And he says, because you never fulfilled the commandment to multiply and replenish the earth. And he's like, but I had a vision. And so I figured it was better to just not do that. And Isaiah is like, doesn't matter. You're toast. You're, you're going to die. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, so how about you give me your daughter to wife and maybe my goodness and your goodness will produce good offspring. Maybe we can thwart this vision that I had seen. And so he has posterity, Manasseh. And I mean, everyone, everyone knows that Manasseh is the worst, most evil king Israel ever had. I mean, he is the worst. And so Isaiah goes on the lamb after <laughs> all of the, the story is kind of said and done and stuff. And Manasseh is hunting Isaiah to kill him. And um, so, I mean, this is good old grandpa here and uh, Isaiah hides in Bethlehem and they find him and they do this and this and this. Anyway, he hides in the cavity of a tree um, and they, they find out that he's in there and Manasseh orders the tree to be uh, cut down and they saw him right in half. And isn't that our lineage, Manasseh? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of scary. <laughs> well, it, it's not the same Manasseh. Yeah, okay, oh, a different one. Okay. Yeah, yeah that one's like, a, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. one we're so single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's uh, way down the line. Uh, okay. That, that Manasseh yeah. was beautiful. Wow. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I'll have to share that in my come follow me group. I did not know that story. Yeah, so that is found in um there's there's quite a few different like collections and stuff like that but is it peter or paul that talks about that story um that they saw the the prophets asunder kind of thing um so he mm. does it but um you have the mishnah and you have the um not apocalypse the ascension of isaiah which is an apocryphal literature um, okay. that tells that whole story so some people might not be familiar with it but um the ascension of Isaiah and um, in, in the Midrash, there is um, the okay. full account of. Cool. I, I didn't know that story till you told it the other day. Yeah. It, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. When do you have time to read all this and know all this? <laughs> I don't know. That's the thing. Like, it's, it, it's amazing. <laughs> like, the journey has been an interesting one, right? But, like, I'll wake up sometimes, whether it's in the middle of the night or if it's just, I just wake up with a certain scripture in my head or something, or like the other day, um, it was like, 
I need you to get on YouTube and I need you like right now, like stop what you're doing, go on YouTube. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> anyway, the most random video is the first one that pops up and, and it's like, click on it. And then it was like, go to minute 248 or something like that. So I go to 248 and watch like a couple seconds or whatever. And I have like this huge aha moment. I've never heard this before. And then it's like, close it out. You're done. That's all I needed to teach you. Oh, okay. So don't think I'm like reading all of these books. Like all the time <laughs> you're just stuff. listening to the spirit. It's telling yeah, you what like, to do. The spirit guides the studies mm. once you fully lean into it. And, uh -huh. and, and you're just exactly obedient to when the spirit says, jump, you jump and you go to this book and this chapter and this kind of thing. Well, I, but, I did have that, but I just had so many house repairs that that's kept me busy for two summers. And I'm like, <laughs> now I want to get back to that. that. Cause yeah. Yeah. Cause I just it don't have time to be, like that. To, to, to be <laughs> reading constantly like that. I wish, yeah. but, but yeah, with, with limited yeah. time, I just, I, I pray for that constantly. Right. Like mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, help me be efficient in my studies so that I can go by the spirit and get what I need and and still well, be that's why that's why because you're asking for it that's why uh, i yeah. need to ask for it i almost left that out that's the crucial thing yeah <laughs> you ask for that yep you do yeah, you don't just assume he's going to give you those gifts you got to ask for them yep. mm -hmm. yeah for sure anyway <laughs> i feel like i mon monopolized the last little bit there but anyway that that hezekiah story huge like of all the Old Testament stories after Moses, I would say that Hezekiah is probably one of the least understood, but the most crucial for a type and a shadow in our day. And, and we need to dive into that one. Well, but, I heard you say once that President Nelson was our Hezekiah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That was like a year ago. You yeah, still sure. feel like that too? Yeah, and for is, sure. Is Hezekiah in the Old Testament or is it only in the Midrash and the Ascension oh, no, that's, of Isaiah? That's it, in Isaiah. It's oh, in, it's in Isaiah? Yeah, Isaiah has a, a, a big section on it. And um, what is it? First, is that first or second? I can't remember. It's either first Kings and first Chronicles or second Kings and second Chronicles. But oh, okay. it's in there. And oh, in Isaiah and... Um, Anyway, yeah, but looking at the pattern, like, oh my goodness, the whole, if you put up their, their timelines, Hezekiah's timeline and President Nelson's timeline, they are an exact match. Like, he is the type of, of Hezekiah. But yet, I had never heard about him until Isaiah decoded, and I was like, who's this Hezekiah guy? <laughs> I gotta study about him. My mind was blown. I guess that didn't stick with me from the Isaiah decoded. So, well, yeah, like there's so much <laughs> introduced in, in that book. Like my head's still sore. <laughs> the but second you're doing time, the Isaiah Institute, Other Institute, so that helps to refresh, helps to refresh because you're doing the Isaiah Institute class on. Yeah. Yeah. During it's the week. so fun going back through and going, oh, yeah, that was in there. I like shoes of faith everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, um, so for next week, um, so this is our, our last lecture, but yet uh, next week we're going to go through an article and I, I, I've decided I'm just going to email this one out so that um, it's, it's on the Learning Zion website, but um, it is also going to be sent out. I'll do that after class tonight, but um, it's this article called The Lectures on Faith, A Case for a case study in decanonization. And so it's just like seven quick pages kind of telling the history of when it was decanonized and uh, kind of why that process happened. Because I don't know about y'all, but <laughs> if I didn't have uh, an idea of the decanonization and stuff, I'd be going through this going, why is this not scripture? Like this is so perfect and, and so crucial to us kind of thing. But anyway, so that'll be what we'll study for next time. That's going to be a homework assignment. And we'll uh, talk about that for the first half. And then we're going to have kind of like a, a testimony meeting of, of faith and lectures on faith or 
I guess anything you want to do, but um, just kind of open it up for for testimonies um, for next week. So decanonization and and testimonies as we kind of wrap up this era of, of our book club and uh, as we embark in the topical guide study, we're kind of heading into new schedule and new territory and, and all of that. So anyway, next time decanonization and um, testimonies. So yeah, any questions or comments on this or anything or have you got the schedule for the new topical guide study? You're going to revamp uh, it? Yeah, okay. so I've got that revamped. So that's a good question. Let me pull that up. And um, so, for example, this is just the month of January, but um, it, I don't know. I, I like this calendar for my own personal use because it has all of the different groups in all the different ways, but that might be confusing for those that only want to participate in one or the other or whatever. So I don't know. I'm just kind of opening it up for opinions here of how would you like to see a calendar put out? What's the best way for you to kind of follow along? Do you want the whole year at a time or should I just kind of like email out each month? This is our plan for the next month kind of a thing, or I don't know, because um, we've got our our topical guide studies that we're basically doing once a month on a, a specific day. So it's the first Wednesdays, the second Sundays, the third Tuesdays, and the fourth Saturdays. But then we've got our uh, Hebrew, like the Hebrew language study group on Thursday evenings, and we've got the Isaiah Institute uh, study group on Saturday mornings, but that might be kind of confusing and cause FOMO, fear of missing out for <laughs> lots of people that are like, oh, I can't do that one. I, like, what's the best way to receive a schedule for, for you guys? I think for me, month by month, just mm -hmm. one month at a time. And then I put it on my own digital calendar with reminders. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So... And I've also yeah. got that. So I've got all of the things in my Google calendar. So I can like share that so that it can just download and automatically sync into anybody's calendar. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And once I know how that. many weeks it is, I just make it reoccurring for those many weeks and mm -hmm. it just automatically does that. So that's uh -huh. the best way. If I write it on a paper calendar, I just don't look at it. So my digital beeps at me or and put reminders on it. So I usually don't forget mm -hmm. that way. Yeah, I love that. Um, so just kind of a, a quick synopsis for, for everyone of where, what groups are, are doing what for next year. Um, so with our topical guide study, um, we're just kind of doing it consecutively. So we'll have a topical guide for the first hour from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. And then from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., we'll do come follow. And then from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., it's just going to kind of open it up for miscellaneous, like what good books are you reading? Um, if you have any questions, if we need to rehash some of the uh, things from Topical Guide, maybe we didn't have enough time to cover everything. Um, but anyway, so it's a three-hour block once a month for each group. But if you are a diehard and, <laughs> and want to come once a week, um, it does kind of rotate through the things. Because Our, you're doing different ones. You're not repeating. You're doing, uh, I see 13, 14, 15. So if yeah. we want to get all of them, we need to come to one to them every week then. We can watch the video. Yeah. And they're all or watch the video. Yeah. Uh huh. And so all of the videos will be there so that you can uh, watch them afterward. You know, like sometimes, you know, Sundays just don't work for everyone. And so to uh, kind of hit everybody, but yet have it less often for me because I'm just going to be busy with some other projects and, and things too. So, um, so there's that. There's those mm -hmm. topical guides. That's kind of like the learning Zion side of things. And then um, on Thursday evenings, uh, we're going to be doing two Hebrew classes, uh, one from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. on Hebrew vocabulary and one from 7.30 to 9 p.m. on Hebrew um, grammar. And then for our Isaiah Institute groups, 
Um, we are starting in January and doing uh, a four week group on modern idolatry. And so um, it just kind of talks about how, like the different elements of Babylon that um, are often tests of, of loyalty that we need to overcome in order to ascend the ladder to heaven kind of a thing. So there's four weeks on that. In February, we're going to start a, a four-week group on becoming kings and queens of the Gentiles. And then after that's done, uh, so it starts March, um, we're going to be going through Overholm's 24-part lecture series on dreams, visions, and near-death experiences as compared to the prophecies of Isaiah. So taking a look at just I don't know, all of these dreams, visions, and near-death experiences, not studying them as scripture, because we, I mean, obviously, uh, it's only revelation for the people that, that received them, but comparing certain points of those to the prophecies of Isaiah and saying, hey, look, that is a confirming thing of like, they seen it, they seen it, and um, the, the Lord is pouring out um, warnings and revelations even now. Um, as compared to um, antiquity kind of a thing. So anyway, it's a 24-part series um, on that, and um, that'll kind of finish out our, our year there. But anyway, it's, we've got a Cameron. lot of stuff going on next year. Karen? Yeah. Um, on the Isaiah ones on Saturday, that's through the Isaiah Institute. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's a different way of getting on than our regular learning. Yeah, Zion. so that one's going to be a different Zoom link than all of the rest that I talked about. If you want a part of those, um, talk to me and I'll, I can get you registered and, and everything. But that one is through um, Avraham Gileadi's Isaiah Institute. And also, you know, if they don't want to take in the whole three hours on the other things, you know, you come yeah. for the first one or the middle one whatever or you just come on the third one and we talk you know because <laughs> yeah. people have different work schedules like we're trying yeah. to hit lots of different time zones you know we have people back east we have people over in england we i mean we're all over and so you get what you get and you show up when you can and we just try to maintain our, our friendships and talk about things but uh, i don't know it, it's kind of a hard that's the hardest part of book clubs is figuring out times that work for everybody so these are the times that work for me that I can try to make it work for everyone else so hopefully it works but if <laughs> if we get into it and it's just not working for anybody <laughs> we'll revamp and we'll we'll figure out something else but nobody's balked at it yet so we'll we'll see <laughs> how soon do we have to sign up for the Isaiah Institute ones for January um, that's a good question because we haven't even talked about that in the Isaiah. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing we'll have till January to really do okay. that. Um, usually they, they make a good push in, in January to, to start new book clubs, but all of the book clubs that started this year, mom and I's group on Isaiah decoded is the only one that's on schedule. <laughs> Everyone else is like way behind schedule. So I don't oh, wow. I exactly know how that's all going to took the summer off is what mm -hmm. but yeah i mean there's one group on apocalyptic commentary that is taking it half as slow like they're not going to be done for like three years <laughs> <laughs> i don't know oh, look how much they're learning yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah any other questions or comments and stuff but yeah we've got a, a busy schedule mostly because we scrapped the retreat idea, right? Like <laughs> that kind of crash and burned. But if we ever do want to meet up, try to attend Roots Tech in March or the BYU Easter Conference in April or the Education Week in August or the Sperry Symposium in October. Those are kind of like the, the main things where we're going to, anybody that's interested in, in gathering together, we'll try to have like a dinner or something and kind of get together and talk. But anyway, that's all on the schedule if you have questions about those dates and stuff. But um, 
yeah anyway it's gonna be a, a really busy year <laughs> i'm already kind of exhausted <laughs> <laughs> You've already oh, you know. <laughs> yep. And so all of our, um, we're going to, especially in conjunction with the Hebrew classes, um, we're going to be celebrating and, and really focusing in and diving into the original feast days of the Lord as, uh, you know, revealed in Leviticus, etc. Um, and so I put out that video um, yesterday on Yom Tohah that is coming up September 25th. Oh yeah, I watched that one in the middle of the night last night too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so you know, it, it, it's called by Rosh Hashanah by most Jews, but uh, it, it's Yom Tovah. That's the uh, the original Hebrew that uh, the Lord revealed. Um, but with that, um, with our our book clubs, I, I do have three guests coming on. At hopefully, more. I'm I'm in the works for quite a lineup. <laughs> I shoot for the moon, right? But um, we have Carrie Mulestein, Donald Perry, and Linda Cherry all coming on to, to help us learn Hebrew uh, during that. Um, I'm working on a, a few others that are, are going to be fun names, but um, Linda Cherry is the one that's going to be helping us with the, the feasts uh, and learning Passovers and Seders and how to celebrate uh, Feast of Tabernacles, etc., and all of that kind of stuff. So Anyway, it, it's going to be a fun it's year. It's exciting. Yeah. Exciting. Thank you for all your hard work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think I've talked enough. <laughs> Thanks, Cameron. Yeah. All right. We'll see. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.